This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, God. <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. American Sex with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Well, hello, my lovely, wonderful American fuckers. I don't know why I suddenly had some, not really an English accent. Um, I'm by myself again, and I'm really tired. So I'm in between traveling. I was in Los Angeles last week. I'm on a plane tomorrow to Austin, Texas. We're running around like chickens with our heads cut off. So I'm by myself again. So maybe I feel like, you know, I have to be a little extra because I'm by myself. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just a clown. (laughs) Ken and I are in Playboy in an article called Send in the Clowns, The Rise of Chlorophobia and the Fear Gasm. I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com. And I think you'll really enjoy it. One of our, our other clowny friends, Miss Quinn, is referenced in the article and a few other folks too. So hi, everybody. I'm just Sunny Megatron because Ken Melvoinberg is running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And welcome to episode 67 of American Sex Podcast. This week's guest is Brianna Rader, founder of the sex coaching app Juicebox. Now, Brianna started her career in sex ed by founding a local grassroots organization, Sexual Empowerment and Awareness, at Tennessee University in 2012. Now, given the conservative and hostile political environment, it was a very rocky start. The state legally condemned her and the organization and defunded them. Now, this landed her on the Bill O'Reilly show, but seat is still operating today. So ha ha, take that, conservative Tennesseans. Brianna went on to receive her master's in global health from UC San Francisco and founded a sex tech startup called Juicebox. Juicebox makes sex and relationship advice and coaching accessible to everyone. So in this app, you're paired one-on-one with a professional sex and relationship coach or counselor who you can text as much as you want all anonymously. The coach is available to you seven days a week and always gets back to you within 24 hours. Pretty damn cool. I really enjoyed this conversation with Brianna. Now, in my previous incarnation, I was a business person, and I really appreciate the portions of the conversation that Ken and I had with Brianna that talked about what we do as sexuality educators, but from a business perspective. A lot of folks don't realize the restrictions that we're subject to that seem to make absolutely no sense. For instance, penile erectile issues. 
They're fine to advertise for on social media. No problem. But when it comes to female pleasure or inorgasmia, that is an absolute no-no. Makes no sense. I was also surprised to hear some of the obstacles that women in tech face. Now, I knew there were obstacles, but I didn't know they were there to such a degree as Brianna describes. And now we didn't just talk about business. That's not our whole conversation. Brianna takes us through what it was like being a college student, simply trying to bring comprehensive sex ed and a university sex week to her school and ending up smack dab in the middle of a media firestorm. I also found it fascinating and hopeful to hear what some of Juicebox's coaching clients seek out coaching for and the unexpected things that they end up walking away with. And Brianna has something really cool for us. This is just for you. Okay. It's a secret. It's a special present. All listeners, that's you. All American fuckers will receive a five-day trial of one-on-one coaching on Juicebox using the promo code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y. So yeah, if you're like, I don't know about sex coaching, I don't know if it's for me. By the way, even if you didn't have the code, it's super reasonably priced, but try it for five days. Pretty damn awesome. Free stuff that's going to enrich your life. Hey, yeah. The website is juiceboxit.com, or you can just search Juicebox in the Apple App Store. And that's another thing we talked about. Uh, It's not just going to be iOS for much longer. Android is coming soon. Before we get to our interview, you know, we got a few really cool things, some housekeeping and a new giveaway I got to tell you about. But uh, hey, do you know what time it is? It's time for me to press this button and insert the jingle that a loyal listener made for us. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. I want to give a big welcome and our heartfelt appreciation to the awesome folks that joined our Patreon family this week. Thank you, Erica and Christy. We could not do this podcast without your support. And we really thank you for recognizing the importance of these conversations that we're having on American Sex Podcast. And listen, If you're not an American Sex Podcast Patreon member yet, you should be. You're going to get bonus stories from our guests, extra full-length episodes, American Sex Podcast stickers, a personal video greeting, random surprises in the mail, like whole bunches of stuff. Also, I just attended Patreon's annual convention called PatriotCon in Los Angeles this past weekend, and it got me so jazzed about giving awesome stuff to our patrons that we've actually decided to extend our October sticker promotion into November. So during the month of October, no matter what your level, no matter what tier you are, starting at $3, you get American Sex Podcast stickers sent to you in the mail with a cute little note. You get like a handful of stickers. You can know it's really cute. So I'm extending that into November. We're doing it again. So join American Sex Podcast Patreon at the lowest tier and you got those stickers plus all of the other stuff that you get. Oh, and by the way, so one of you, you're not just going to get stickers We're going to send you a pleasure product too. Last month, a couple folks got a little something extra, not just their stickers. So this month, it might be you too. Oh, and hey, another thing. This is important, real important, because I know 
Deep down inside, you're a kinky mofo, aren't you? Well, you got lucky. Ken and I are educators at the biggest BDSM video learning library on the internet, which is Kink Academy. Our Electric Play series was released last month. And to get that, head on over to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Kink Academy Electric. That's going to take you right to our instructor page. And guess what? When you join Kink Academy, you not only get our educational videos, you get access to the entire library of over 2,000 videos for more than 150 of the most sought after kink educators in the world. And I mean, any subject you can imagine, it's there from beginner to advanced level. So again, that's bit.ly slash kink academy electric. All right, I got something for you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to buy jack diddly poop, nothing. You want to win. I know you do. A WeVibe Discover gift box and other goodies valued at a minimum of $350 from babeland.com. And when you do that, you're going to help out American Sex Podcast too. And again, it's not going to cost you a thing. You fill out our Pleasure Podcast listener survey. And that's it. You're entered to win. Now, this survey is really important to us because it gives us more information about who our listeners are. That's you. So we can bring you more enjoyable content, better collaborations and sponsorships that interest you. You can find the survey at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash American Sex Survey. And if you didn't catch it, that address is going to be in our show notes for episode 67 at American Sex Podcast. Dot com. Some of the things in that kit, real quick, let me look here. There, it's it's kind of amazing. I was like, what? So you get a special edition WeVibe Couples Vibrator, a Womanizer Starlet Clitoral Stimulator, a Tango by WeVibe Clitoral Mini Vibe, a Dusk by WeVibe Vibrating Butt Plug, WeVibe Lube, Sexy Dice, the car that's going past my window right now. I'm sure you hear that. It's your engines revving hearing all of the stuff that you're about to win. Um, so sexy dice, a tickler, a Kegel ball, a massage candle, and the value of this thing, which I can't believe is like 200 something dollars. So Babeland's going to kick in a few other things to make this a minimum of a $350 value, which is kind of awesome. All right. So that's all I got for you. We're going to get on the, with the interview with Brianna Rader. Enjoy. I love you, American fuckers. On the line today, we have Brianna Rader, who is the the founder of the startup Juice Box and who is very passionate about sex education and has a background that I really want to dig into. Hi, Brianna. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background. Let's just start from the beginning. Yeah, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm sure, as you guys know, Tennessee's much more conservative than where I am now in San Francisco. And so that was kind of my context growing up. I had no access to sex ed. It was very, very much abstinence only. They didn't even talk about condoms. And so I went to college also in Tennessee. And when I was at the University of Tennessee, I saw that also there wasn't really any programming or outreach there. And we were all adults and we still didn't even know basic information, like really smart women around me that just didn't know much about birth control. And it kind of made me angry. And then also being queer, I think I was asking kind of deeper questions than other folks were. And I was just getting more and more frustrated. And so 
I decided to start an organization on sex ed in Tennessee. And it was kind of modeled after the sex week model that they have at some other universities at usually elite universities. And I was like, why can't we have that in the South? And so I started that and it was very, very controversial. What was the name of the group? Uh, Sexual empowerment and awareness at Tennessee. Oh yeah. We, we actually had been brought in and we spoke at UT. Yeah. So my organization brought you on. Yeah, they did. After I graduated. Oh, oh no, wow. we missed you by just a year. Yeah, it's that was a small world after. But all. we had a great time teaching there, and we've actually talked about your university and your group a number of times because of how important it is to get sex education in abstinence-only states. And Tennessee, by no means, is not the only one that did it. But it is very, very amazing and coincidental that you started the group that we ended up teaching at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember. Allison Moon and Reed Mahako and Megan Andrew were the first folks we brought in. I think yeah. we referred you all after I had graduated. I still advise the group. It's been around six years now. But when we got started, the first two years, there was just like controversy after controversy because we got defunded. The state legally yeah. condemned us. We ended up on the Bill O'Reilly show. It just got a little wild. So it, it was interesting to me because, you know, Ken grew up in, in Michigan and I grew up in the Chicago area, which is, you know, very liberal minded. Even as a kid in the 80s, I had I had sex ed in school. I wouldn't say it was great, but for the 80s, it probably wasn't bad compared to the rest of the country. And I think what a lot of people don't realize when they grow up in very liberal environments or more urban environments where they have access to this, that people like, you know, growing up in Tennessee, for example, when we taught at UT Sex Week, these kids were like, we've never heard anybody talk about sex. You were the very first people. So what is it like growing up, you know, as a kid and a teenager and that environment? What are some of the things or like, now that you look back, the misnomers, the myths, the huge mistakes and missteps that you saw growing up because there was a lack of comprehensive sex ed? Well, now looking back on it, it's just laughable. But when you're in it and you're 16, you're, it's really scary. Like, so mm-hmm. I, I remember in my high school sex ed class, we, it was by the Just Wait nonprofit, which I don't believe exists anymore. Oh, no. Is, are made, those one of the ones that go, you're a chewed up piece of gum or, yeah. you know, like, the, oh, so we, we didn't do the gum one, but we got the tape one. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Oh, can you explain it for the listeners that haven't? I have heard it. Uh, so they took a little piece of tape and they said, like, imagine you're this piece of tape and they pass around the tape in the room and everyone stuck it on their jeans or shirt. And then by the end, obviously, the tape has all these fuzzies on it and it's not as sticky. So basically, if you have sex before marriage, you're this piece of tape and you'll never stick to your permanent partner well again after marriage because you've been stuck around all these other people. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And so we got we got this card where you had to sign that you would be abstinent. And then on the back, you had to write your three life goals as if they were connected to your your premarital sex status. And then if you sign the card, you got free chocolate and Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. How perfectly horrible is that? I know. And I, if you didn't sign it, you had to like talk to them and explain why you didn't sign it. So of course I signed it. Even me being, I feel like a fairly empowered young woman at the time, 
and like fairly intelligent. I just wasn't exposed to much. So I was like, sure, I guess I'll sign it. And I honestly thought maybe I would wait until marriage because there wasn't an alternative that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, all right. Obviously, though, you had some kind of, you know, something that gave you the courage to talk about sexuality and identity and authenticity because you, you know, when you were at UT, you, you know, helped found seats. So what was it about you that made it, I don't even know if easy is the right word, but made you able to start these conversations? Yeah, I asked that question to myself a lot, but I think it's being queer and uh-huh. my early relationships because so when I was a f- freshman, sophomore in college, I had a boyfriend and we were both identified as bi. And even though we were in this very conservative environment where we didn't know any other queer people, we kind of explored on our own, like in our own little secret universe. And the two mm-hmm. of us were like out to each other and mm-hmm. we would just look things up online and read books. And then after like a year or two of that, I was empowered, I think, via each other empowering. Um, So then I was, I think that is what gave me the courage. And then when I saw examples of other universities doing it, I think that was the second level where I saw other people doing it. It was at very different places like Harvard and Yale um, in these very, very liberal areas. But I thought we deserved the same thing. Right. Did you end up losing any friends or, you know, having any changed relationship with family and whatnot when you started talking publicly about this and pursuing being someone whose business is sexuality? Definitely. It was extremely difficult the first two years there, especially because I think people were shocked that I was talking about it so much, especially my extended family, because my whole family's in Knoxville, Tennessee. They're all very um, Southern. And I don't think none of my family, obviously, I didn't get disowned, but they were, I think, confused and frustrated and maybe also embarrassed that my name was in the news like all the time, because there were a few Uh weeks there where I was sort of like famous, at least in a local way, because it was being preached in the pulpits like every Sunday. Like, what is this sex week thing? What are these kids doing? And my grandparents and uncles and aunts, you know, were like, oh, that's our granddaughter. And I think that was an issue. My mom actually also, I think it influenced her decision to early retire um, because she worked at a elementary school and it was very conservative and she couldn't handle all the gossip. So those are some things that it impacted. And then I got letters and Bibles mailed to me. (gasps) Oh, no. Yeah. So it just became this huge thing. And then especially when the state got involved, like it's different for it to be local news. But when the, the actual Nashville State House and Senate got involved, you know, they passed a bill legally condemning us and the organization. Right. And they did all that just to shut you down, which. Yeah. Wow. I would say it became almost like a political tool where they weren't even caring anymore about the education. It was more the GOP candidates were saying like, look at this evil villain and we're stomping it out. Vote for us. You were, you were the symbol for something bigger. Like you were the scapegoat for all of this, you know, pent up, I don't know, hate and intolerance for anything sexual. Yeah. And I think the beauty though, out of it is I did, you know, I didn't stay as close to some friends, but I found this whole new community where we started to attract 
all of these students that were very into our messaging. They might have been like a little bit of misfits. And so I created this whole new community that kind of replaced the one that I wouldn't say lost, but I just became a little less close to. So at what point during this, you know, your your journey or your college career and all of this happening, did it cement in you where you're like, hey, I want to go on to make my imprint into, in the world and make people's sex lives better and make people, you know, help them live more authentic lives? At what point were you like, this is my calling? <laughs> well, after I graduated, I thought I was going to go down the public health med school route and either work in public policy or in medicine. And I'm very happy I learned quickly that those wouldn't have been the right routes for me. And that's because, A, working in public policy is going to take decades, and I don't have the patience to work 20 to 30 years for states like Tennessee to change their curriculum. And then the public health route, again, also extremely bureaucratic and nonprofits don't have like a ton of impact, I believe, in this world because you're bound to these grants that don't really care about pleasure and mm-hmm. inclusivity. I don't want to just talk about STDs and teen pregnancy. I want to talk about like orgasms. And so that's why I was drawn to technology because it's a way to impact many, many people at once in a very affordable, accessible way. And you're not bound to what one grant determines what's important in sexual health. Right. So then suddenly, you're in San Francisco. Is Was it really that much of a, did I skip a whole bunch in between there? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I went to San Francisco for grad school at UCSF. Okay. I got my master's in global health, focusing on reproductive health. And during that master's is when I determined technology would be a good route for me. Okay. So the idea of juice box, which we're, you know, of course, we're going to explain exactly what it is. But when did that idea start to take hold for you that this could be the thing? Well, it's, it's taken many, many different models, I would say. But when I was in grad school, I just started to think about what if people could text experts? And that was like the baby idea. And then Mm -hmm. after a couple years of me, doing user research and working in digital marketing is when the current day juice box arrived. Okay. And it sounds I mean, a startup is is complex, like this is serious, big business. So suddenly, you've gone from someone who's like, you know, I'm gonna get into public health, and that's a totally different world to someone who's now not only in startup and tech life, but you're a sexuality based startup which I'm sure came with its whole set of other issues that maybe you weren't planning on encountering. So what was that like? Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) Every day, I I think I see little challenges that I didn't anticipate in the beginning. Now, starting Seat was some level of entrepreneurship. You know, it's starting a new organization. I had to deal with, I think, far more than the average college student does when they start an organization with the state and media issues. So that was at least some level of background and training. But yeah, now that I'm doing a sex tech startup, I mean, there's challenges because not only am I a female entrepreneur, which only about 2% of venture capital funding goes to female founded teams which is seriously yeah only two percent to women that are leading yeah wow wow 
So, and then if you add on top of that, I'm queer, and then add on another layer that I'm doing a topic that some people see as taboo, mm-hmm. it's just, it's complicated. And we have different uh, struggles with marketing. For instance, right. Facebook and Google have very strict conservative policies when it comes to sexuality. It's very frustrating because it feels like I, I can't even get my messaging out sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like, every, of course, all ch- startups are hard. But there are just some extra barriers that we face. Yeah, there are definitely the extra layer of challenges when it comes to advertising. And that's something that that Ken and I face like we we can't advertise, you know, and and anytime like my latest thing is like, you know, we do Patreon. I know our business is completely different than yours. But I think a lot of our roadblocks are very similar. You know, we do Patreon and Patreon has now had an integration with Reddit where you can make your own subreddit. So I'm working on the American sex podcast subreddit and I get it all ready. And it's like, oh, you're not suitable for work creator. You can't do this. You're blocked from using this feature. And it Mm -hmm. seems like everywhere we turn, just when we think like, oh, here's a light at the end of the tunnel where there's there's this, you know, new business thing we can do or this new approach we can take. And then suddenly it's like, boom, you're blocked. Was it like that with you? Like what are, I know advertising's one, what are some of the other challenges that popped up that maybe you didn't anticipate? I didn't expect it to be so difficult to have conversations with investors. I mean, when you're, when you're building a startup like this, you have to have venture capital. And I didn't expect to have so many inappropriate conversations, investors telling me I didn't have the right sex appeal to be in this business. Like they just say those sorts of things in a meeting, like it's completely professional. And I think in academia, I was, there's sexism everywhere. But in academia, I feel like it's a little hidden, like it's a little Mm -hmm. more subtle. And I wasn't prepared for this world where it's much more blatant. (laughs) And so I think that's one issue. I think another issue is me being in this public health and sexuality world. I think I struggled to understand how I would should be explaining juice box. And so we've gone through many different rounds of messaging, you know, it's I started with sex ed and that doesn't really work because people think you're teaching people how to put condoms on bananas. And then you mm. start saying, well, we help people have better sex and relationships and people that are outside the field have no idea what that really means. And then I finally found, oh, we need to talk about issues. Like we help people with erectile issues. We help people with female orgasm. And when we landed on that, it became really interesting with advertising because our erectile issue ads always get approved. But okay. our female orgasm issues or libido issues never do. Okay. A, I'm fuming. Steam is coming out of my ears. But, you know, also, it doesn't surprise me being in the industry. But why is it that the erectile dysfunction ads don't get flagged, but the things around female orgasm do? What's the reason? Well, it's I. there's no, like, Facebook policy that lines all but, of this But you out. know, but, yeah, even though I it's not know. written down, you know the reason. What is it? It's because... Men's sexuality is seen as fundamental and paired to their health. And I feel like female sexuality is seen as indulgent. And that's it's the because big pe- difference. It's because penises run the universe, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not for much longer. <laughs> Hopefully not for much longer. Yeah, no, no. That, by the way, that was you don't know me well enough, but that was a sarcasm. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the other issue is that, you know, hymns and Roman – I don't know if you're familiar with those two startups, but they're Viagra on demand delivery startups. And each of them have raised almost a hundred million dollars. So two companies 
in the ED space have raised more money than all the female tech and sex tech startups combined, which I think well, is yeah, absurd. because penises. Yeah, that sucks. Which the, like wow. everything's I, about the penis. Not, it is. Yeah, not to knock. I like that those startups exist, but it's just frustrating to see how much more approval and and funding and support they get. Right. We need a little bit more equity. Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing to me. So, all right. Juice box. First of all, why is it called juice box? Because <laughs> I, I have I'm like, what? what is it a sex term? I don't know. Why is it called juice box? I So I didn't come up with that name. Actually, a few of our customers did when we were doing testing. But it's because we use some fruit imagery in our themes to be a little bit suggestive because you know when people use emojis to sex they often use peaches or cherries or yeah um but also we wanted the name to be kind of hidden in the meeting like we didn't want people to look at a receipt or look at their app and know oh that's a sex app you know people might think oh they're just ordering some cold press juice you know <laughs> so, so. They're thirsty, not in yeah. the way you think, but you know. <laughs> right. And so that's another example. There are a lot of cute kind of puns we can do. Um, squirt, spill, squeeze, boxes, slang for vagina, juicy material. It just, there's a lot of potential branding and marketing there. Okay. Okay. So, all right. It pairs you up with people who are sex coaches or are there therapists like who who are the the experts that yeah, are on juice box definitely they are coaches is what we call them mm-hmm. they are people that specialize in sex relationships and dating so okay. a lot of our people actually are therapists but when they're acting on our platform they're acting as coaches and the other thing is is that we wouldn't want to just hire a bunch of therapists because tons of therapists don't know anything about sex it has yep. to be people that specifically <laughs> specialize in this topic to work on juice box so okay. all of our people have a minimum of 5 years of experience working in the field and working with clients many of them have private practices they might have PhDs in human sexuality. And then another connection is many of them are certified or work with ASECT, which is the American Association for Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Okay. So what exactly is the difference between coaching and sex therapy? Yeah. I The way I see it is that coaching is more tangible and more solutions and goal-oriented, and it doesn't pathologize people as much. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit more approachable in that way. So if you wanted to work with one of our coaches on female orgasm or an erectile issue, you know, they might do some exploring on your past or your anxiety around these issues, but they would also really give you exercises and focus on getting you to your goals where it's not that talk based therapy. Okay. okay. So I have a question for you. This might be kind of a hard question. Um, so there are plenty of great sex educators out there like me, Sonny, like Allison Moon, but none of us are ASEC certified psychologists. Now, I don't know that Allison isn't ASEC certified. She, she very well might be. But do you make exemptions for people like us that have had multiple years of experience as opposed mm-hmm. to academic criteria? Yeah, I think that's somewhat of a controversial question, but 
at Juicebox, we put people through our own internal training as well. So I would say we look at it a case by case basis, but we do not okay. have any hard, fast rules that if you don't work at ASECT, you can't work with us. Um, I think a lot of it is your approach, your mindset, how many years of experience you have, and then how you do on our platform. Because we do a written interview, we do phone call interview, and then we do a chat simulation. Because some people are amazing on stage or on a podcast, but they're horrible at doing text-based coaching, which is what Juicebox is. And so right. we make sure you're you're good with all of that. Um, and it's not just, oh, do you have this one degree from this one institution? Okay. So most people... When you approach them and you go, hey, you can go see a sex coach. They're like, I don't need that. I know everything. I don't need a sex coach. But a lot of people do. Um, so what types of people are not only candidates for sex coaching, but the types of people that say, no, actually, I really do think a sex coach could be helpful. So who are those people? Yeah, I think I draw the analogy to personal trainers all the time. I feel like our sex and relationship coaches are very much like personal trainers that would help you with your nutrition goals or your fitness goals. And you don't have to be in a disaster, worst case scenario to hire a personal trainer. Like there are a lot of people that are fairly healthy that hire personal trainers. So the people that we work with mostly are people, women that have never had an orgasm, men with erectile issues that might be premature ejaculation or performance anxiety. We also work with libido issues, couple issues, whether they're arguing a lot or not on the same page with their sex lives. And then the last one is dating. I think dating is getting harder and harder these days as kind of these apps have changed the dynamics, like more and more dating is going on online. And so when you we have new challenges with that. And so we help people with everything from reviewing your online dating profile to crafting text messages to boosting your confidence. And I sort of look at it in a comprehensive way, just like a personal trainer wouldn't tell you, hey, you can eat whatever you want, but you need to do these exercises. We don't really separate sex from the relationship and dating piece. We look at it mm -hmm. holistically because they're so intertwined. Now, we do have a percentage of our customers that are in a good scenario. They don't have a big problem and they just want to take their sex life to the next level. So maybe they want to learn more about bondage and they want to learn more about anal sex. Most of our clients have an issue. That makes sense because it costs money. But I, I love the customers that come in because they're in a good place and they just want to learn more. And those people maybe only work with a coach for a week or two, where other people might work with a coach for four to six months. But it's flexible. It's kind of up to them. So Juicebox itself, when the app is, when, when you when you download the app, how is it, what form of communication are you utilizing with your coach? Is it face-to-face -face video? Is it audio only? Is it text? Yeah, Juicebox, the app right now is text-based only. And that's why it's more affordable. And so you don't have to, you know, schedule but we are looking to add audio and video that will just increase the price. But I think it'll make it more intimate and personal to be able to like see your coach face to face. So we'll keep exploring with that. But right now right. it's tech space. Because it's pretty inexpensive right now, right? What What is it's like 20 it, something? Yeah, it's $24 per week. And that's for access to your coach seven days a week. 
Oh, that's really cheap. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. What sort of people do you see or when should you see a coach? Should it be when you're single, when you're partnered? Like, what do you tend to see? Or is there one that's preferred over the other? Yeah, our average customer, I'll give you some data around it in case it's interesting. So our average customer is 33 years old. We are 50% single, 50% in a relationship, and we are sort of even with men and women, but slightly more men. So I think right now we're 55% men. Interesting. I think we're close to a third of our clients are dating issues. Dating issues. Okay, so you had said that, you know, like online dating and crafting your profile, probably like how not to be, you know, how not to be a creep or how to find the right person, or I would guess are like kind of big ones. Um, But have you also seen a change in what people are looking for surrounding dating now that we're in the day and age of Me Too? Mm. Yeah, that's been interesting. I So I really love that we have men on our platform. I didn't really anticipate that. But in retrospect, it makes sense because I think men have weaker social networks where they don't talk to their friends about these issues as much. And then also the text-based format, I think, helps men talk about topics that they're a little uncomfortable with. But I've loved seeing men come to us and pay us a lot of our you know female coaches to help them navigate how to approach women with all of the Me Too changes and they're kind of insecure because they look out into the field and they see all these pickup artists, right? And they see that as like creepy and they see Juicebox as very different. And so that's been cool to see men pay us to help them navigate Me Too, dating, talking to women, consent. Mm. That actually makes a lot of sense because men generally tend to when we have a problem, we tend to get intrinsic with it and we get into like to, not, not to steal, um, you know, uh, any information from men or from ours, women or from Venus. But this is literally where I got it from Dr. John Gray is that men tend to go intrinsic and we tend to think about things and go into our man cave and play video games and read newspapers when we're thinking about a problem where women tend to go outward towards their friends, their daughters, their best friends, their moms, and they tend to go to places that are that are more of an outward thing so it it isn't surprising to me that men are actually seeking this out because the last thing that we want to do is ask another male friend or uh, relative for advice especially with something to do with sex or sexuality i think the only case that's a little bit different is with me because people know that i'm a sex educator so they come to me specifically for that on the down low um so but I, it's I, still very much on the down low it is it, it is yeah. yeah but like i think that i would love to be a coach for um for juice box because i think that this is something that would help me help other people yeah yeah so if i was interested in becoming a coach how would i go about doing that yes we have an online application that's on our website uh, juiceboxit.com and if you scroll halfway down it has a line about joining as a coach and you can fill that form out. It's pretty quick. And then we onboard people as we grow. Hey, did you know American sex podcast has a Patreon page? Becoming a Patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast. It works kind of like, I don't know, funding for national public radio or how PBS works. If you appreciate our work, and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, then you can help support it. 
And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, and access to our private Patreon feed. So you thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out all the details at patreon.com slash American sex. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American sex. So, all right, I assume you collect a bunch of data, you know, like what people are, are going there for and whatnot. It surprised you that more men than you anticipated uh, use the service. What are some other surprising things that popped up where you're like, whoa, this is a thing for a lot of people? Well, I think I have never, ever thought about erections as much as I have recently. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand that there were so many. I, I knew about erectile dysfunction, but I don't think I had really thought about premature ejaculation and performance anxiety as connected in that category. And I, our team has done a lot of digging and read some literature on the topic and I've seen that it's reported that about one in five men experience intermittent premature ejaculation and Mm -hmm. that one in three men experience performance anxiety. And then also with erectile dysfunction, it shows that one in 10 men experience erectile dysfunction and that can be intermittent or complete. So anyway, I didn't know about all of these issues that men experience. And then what's been interesting then is to see that women are also very confused about it because we see women coming in and saying their boyfriend or their partner isn't hard. And then they think that means that they're not attracted to them. And so we have to do all of this education around like your mind and body aren't always in sync. Like arousal doesn't always link up to your your dick's behavior. And so... Anyway, I just feel like there's so much anxiety around penises for men and for women, and it's really become <laughs> a huge focus. You know, it's it's interesting. Like Sonny and I are experts in all different sorts of sexual subcommunities, and those numbers that you just gave were will be even heavier towards um, things like uh, erectile dysfunction when you take a look at like swinger communities or BDSM because there's even more pressure put on people with penises to perform and anxiety performance anxiety goes through the roof at orgies. Now, I know you wouldn't think that. And in on the other flip side of the coin, so does premature ejaculation because it's either so exciting or so worrisome that your dick is doing all these things that you have no idea what's going on. So I'm pretty sure the numbers that you got there are for the general populace, but they're even like greater when you come to sexual subcommunities where there's any kind of a, um, you know, a skew towards any kind of alternative sexuality. Have you dipped into the swinger community at all for your app? I think we might have a couple clients that are swingers and they're working with Stella Harris, who's one of our coaches. Oh, Stella's. Oh, we love Stella. We love the hell out of Stella. Stella. Her new book is amazing. (laughs) It is. Yeah, I love Stella too. And she, you know, works with some of our open relationship poly kind of spectrum clients. But I would say that since we kind of are more of a mass market product, that yes, we address, you know, LGBT issues, open relationship issues, kink BDSM issues. It just, since we're working at a national level, those numbers just are lower. 
interestingly, like you and your personal life, you know, you said you are, you're queer. Um, you're also, you consider yourself monogamish. Is that? Yeah. Okay. So what's your definition of monogamish? I would say it's that you're very comfortable talking to your partner about finding other people attractive, wanting to have sex with other people and jealousy not being as big of an issue. You're not like with this one person for the rest of your life. And then also being open to having threesomes and going to play parties, uh, not having an entirely open relationship where you just do whatever you want and you don't talk to your partner about it. Okay. Okay. So I know that, um, you know, with the LGBT community, bisexual, the B has had, a, you know, a lot of, uh, was it like bi- bisexuality vis- visibility, visibility day? Was I wanted, like yeah, a, I wanted to talk with her okay, about that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. You, no you're hitting no, the nail right in the no, head. No, no you hit the nail. You hit the nail. You hit the nail. We're fighting over who's hitting the nail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so by visibility. All right. So by visibility, um, that's something that, you know, you, me in my own life, you in your own life, and a lot of people in their own lives have a lot of confusion because, you know, the, the B in LGBTQI is very much ignored. So can you expand on one, your own personal journey with that, and two, how you have helped through your service people kind of understand and be- become comfortable with their bisexuality. You know, it can be frustrating. I feel like sometimes in, in my early coming out days, I feel like a lot of my straight friends, they were trying to be nice nice, like and supportive, but they kept being like, you know, it's really okay if you're a lesbian. Like it's, you can be a lesbian. And that almost was so f- more frustrating because they didn't <laughs> see my explita- explanations as legitimate. And then, you know, in San Francisco, when I'm at queer events, I feel like sometimes, you know, you need to be a lesbian, you need to be a dyke, you need to be like a radical queer. And it's maybe not great to talk about your attraction to men too. So t- sometimes I just feel like I'm in this in-between world. <laughs> um, right. And that can be frustrating. But I think that in some ways it's helped me out with Juicebox because I've slept with men and I've slept with women and I can be kind of empathetic to many different types of people. And I think that's Mm -hmm. helped me with marketing and messaging and just having empathy for the users on our platform. What advice would you give or would some of, you know, the coaches give to people who, let's say they're just sort of coming to terms with, I guess, their, their queerness or their bisexuality or their pansexuality, however they want to label it. Um, what advice would you give to them moving forward to help, like you were saying, talking to friends who mean well, but it's like when they give you the high five, they totally miss the mark. You know, <laughs> what <laughs> advice would you give to those people? I would say that I think things are getting easier. Some early data has come out that Gen Z, which is people that are around 18 years old, like 80% Mm -hmm. of them are identifying as queer. And so I think as, you know, in the next several, in the next decade, I don't think it's going to be at all weird to say that you're somewhat bi or somewhat queer. And I think Mm -hmm. these like strict labels are actually going to go to the wayside a little bit. And I think that's extremely exciting that maybe the queer world won't really be in the margins as much anymore. Of course, there will always be, you know, discrimination, but I just am really excited looking at the younger generation. And I think you, those examples, reading them, 
reading into more, reading even Teen Vogue, I think is extremely exciting. Yeah, our kids are 17 and 23. And we're seeing such a difference in the way, especially even between our older one and our younger one, how they relate to the world, how they relate to dating and sexuality and identity. And it's, it's just phenomenal how quickly things are changing between the generations and how different they are between the generations. Mm -hmm. So that brings me I'm I, you know, my first love was marketing. I was a marketing major. I worked for an ad agency for almost 20 years. So that brings me to as a business who is dealing in sexuality, do you see a difference in how you, you know, you said your average person is 33 years old, but are you seeing a difference in how you ha- need to approach or how you need to serve different people, you know, whether it's a millennial or a Gen Zer or whatnot? Yeah, I think so. Um, unfortunately, we, we don't, s- the app is free to download and we have free features, but the main feature is paid. And so it's just less likely to have very young people that can afford that. And I think that's why we're skewing a little older with the 33 being our average age. But yeah, we see people that are, you know, 48, 52 years old, and they have gone through a divorce, or they're back on the dating market for some reason, and the world has really changed. And we have Mm -hmm. to teach them kind of Tinder 101. (laughs) And (laughs) issues that I think to like a 20 year old would be like, so innate, that you wouldn't even have to to talk about. You could just skip right through. So I think our coaches have to change their messaging a little bit with whether they're a dude or whether they're in, in LA or in Kansas or their age. And so I think that's that personalization is important because if you just watch a YouTube video on a topic, you know, you, you need different advice if you're queer or if you're straight or if you're in Kansas or if you're 52 versus 22. Do you accept everybody as clients? Now, the reason I ask this, and I want to preface this with with a little statement here, all men are trash, but we're varying degrees of trash of how bad a trash <laughs> we are. And eventually, some of us are going to want to be included back in the fold, but we have these evil, nasty motherfuckers incels. If there was an incel that wanted to use juice box for dating advice, would you accept them as a client? <laughs> It's interesting you asked that because we did a ad campaign on Reddit. I guess it was a couple months ago. And one of those incel subreddits picked it up. I mean, we weren't advertising to them at all, but they obviously had members in another subreddit. And they started this whole thread about us, like making fun of us. And they started making fun of some of the coaches that are on our website and calling them horrible names. But in a weird way, you know, I wasn't that worried about it because I'm I'm very used to dealing with like trashy, horrible folks about these <laughs> topics because of Tennessee. But my co-founder, who's not from that world, was like completely alarmed. And I was just like, oh, whatever. I've seen all of this before. And I kind of laughed about it because these are the men that need juice box the most. Fuck yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> but they're also the worst of the like human beings. I'm sorry if like if you're in a incel subreddit, you don't have room to be slinging mud at anybody because <laughs> that mud's a fucking boomerang, motherfucker. It's gonna come right back at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I would love to have those folks on our platform if they're paying us and they treat our coaches with respect. And what what do you do if they don't 
treat the coaches with respect? How, how do you follow up with that? Yeah, we actually haven't had a horrible situation yet because it, I think because it does cost money. But, you know, if, if they violate our rules, our guidelines more than once after a warning, we would just tell them you can't continue to use our platform because that's not fair to our coaches time. Right, right. So you had mentioned that there are some features on Juicebox that are free. So what are those? What can everyone access? Yeah, so we have this forum called Snoop, where people can ask questions to our coaches completely for free. And then the the community upvotes their favorite ones. And then we just answer the ones with the most votes. And so it's called Snoop because you can snoop on everyone else's questions and answers and, and view those. That's cool. And then we have another I like that it's called forum, Snoop, too. <laughs> uh, called Spill, and that's where people can spill their personal stories around sex and relationships. And you can – and that's more community-focused. The coaches aren't there. And you can comment and reply and upvote and just kind of – I feel like we have some clients that hire a coach and work with a coach on an issue, and then I'll see those same clients – post their same situation and spill because they kind of want the audience's feedback because you get different, you know, you get different answers. Oh, that's cool. I like this. So, okay, burning question. When is this going to be available for Android? Because I'm an Android user. Oh, yeah, and we I'm, don't use Mac I'm at all. a little sad. That's because you're in San Francisco. <laughs> you like the Apple. There's a whole world of people that don't use Mac products and hate Apple products. So we actually, so we... We'll probably launch Android app in early 2019. However, we do offer coaching for people that don't have an iOS app, and we use a communication app. So you don't get all the snoop and spill features, but if there's someone out there with an Android and they want to get paired with a coach for the same price, we can set you up. That's good to know. I didn't know that. See, I learned something new. So I have a business question for you. From a business perspective, it sort of seems like it's shooting yourself in the foot not to have both platforms from like right out the gate. Why is it just a financial situation that you decided it's going to cost too much to do both? So we're going to start with iOS? Yeah, I kind of have the minimum viable product approach. So you might as well launch with one channel and build that up before you add a second or third channel and kind of launch with the lowest level version of the product and improve from there. So right now, you know, it was more like finances and just starting one at a time. Now, what we'll probably do before we add Android is add a desktop version so that people can just, as long as you have internet, doesn't matter what kind of phone you have, or if you have memory to download an app, you can access it. And then people can go back and forth between their app and their laptop and it'll sync. That's cool. So currently, if you are a coach and you have an Android, are you able to work for Juicebox? Oh, yeah. That doesn't matter. The coach's side is all website-based, not app-based. So you don't doesn't matter what kind of phone you have. Huh. Interesting. And I'm wondering, like my business mind, like I think one of my fetishes is thinking about business stuff, seriously. Um, but See, my, You know what's funny? You have fetishes and I just have hates of things. I hate Apple. I hate... You hate everything. Hate and I'm everything. just like, ooh, this is fascinating. <laughs> what does your data I'm say? I'm just a grumpy old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm wondering, like, I'm just completely fascinated now if your your users are going to skew older once it's available on desktop. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think one of the reasons we started with iOS is because since it is a paid product, in general, higher income folks have Apple versus Android. Obviously, it's right. a huge generalization. But yeah, that's they cost why... a million bucks. You got to be rich to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I think, I think some of the older users are frustrated with the mobile aspect and they want to be able to type it out like it's an email. So I think that's, I think that likely will be true. Yeah. Cause I don't know, like I'm, I'm what 47 and I'm, I'm like, damn, I have to text stuff. If I can't talk to text and then half my words are the wrong words. I'm mm-hmm. like, F this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What well, we're actually, say fuck. I know. I don't know why I didn't say <laughs> fuck. I'm like, suddenly I think it was that conversation about like the, you know, the unsticky tape. I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, very, like, I have to be mind my P's and Q's now. <laughs> Tennessee is like creeping on me. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. And, oh, oh, God. No, what were you saying? Oh, I was going to say we're looking at doing asynchronous video and audio so that you still don't have to have that scheduling pain, but you can get that more uh, personal touch. I'm excited. I want to poke around and try it. So you have also something pretty cool for our listeners, I hear. What is that? Yeah, all of your listeners can get five days of free coaching on Juicebox with the code Sunny. Very, very cool. That's yeah. awesome. And I think that, you know... Thank I, you for that, by the way. Yeah, I really encourage listeners to check it out because I I have a lot of people that, even people that really value our work as sexuality educators, when it comes to coaching, that's a whole nother level of A getting past I think the mental block of like, does that mean I have a problem? And like you said, people hire personal trainers that are in great shape. They just want a a little boost or something different. Just a sex trainer just sounds creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Or a little hot maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, I encourage listeners to check that out and see, you know, if you have some preconceived notions of like, I don't know if coaching is going to be right for me or for check it out and see. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. So, all right. Uh, Android app coming. Desktop app coming. Is there anything else that we might see on the horizon for Juicebox in the next year or two? Like, what are, what are your big long-term goals if you could conquer the world? I'm excited to do some packages that are more focused on topics instead of this general sex coaching. Because not everyone needs long-term access to a coach. And so I think we'll do some packages on different topics that have a lower price point where you'll get some coaching interaction and then some self-guided materials. Oh, that's cool. I like that. So, all right, wrapping up, tell us about some of your success stories. What have some of your clients who have taken coaching, what are some of the things they got out of it or maybe the unexpected feedback that they gave to you that they weren't even expecting? I think a couple things that come to mind are One client who was an older guy in his early 50s, been married to the same woman for many decades, and he came to us initially with an erectile issue, but he stayed around with us for, I think, over six months. And throughout the conversation, it was really cool to see how it evolved. And it eventually went into, you know, how's his wife enjoying sex? And the coach discovered they had never, ever had a conversation about what she enjoyed in bed. And they'd been married for, I don't know, 30 plus years. And so that was really neat to be able to help him have that first conversation and then see how the couple actually started having way more frequent sex kind of late in their marriage. And that was really cool. And then another one was another dude who was straight and had a girlfriend and he was considering like breaking up dating concerns in a really unhealthy relationship. But again, after working with a coach, 
his mindset, I think, around sex and gender kind of shifted a little bit. And he actually took up pole dancing. And kind even as a straight guy, he just wanted to explore his gender expression more and started dating in these new circles of people. And I thought that was a really radical shift. And it just shows you how exposure to role models in this space can really help you. I don't know. Like I said, like shift your your mindset because society yeah. tells you you have to be one way, especially men. And then, of course, when it comes to women, I think some of the cool stories are. I don't know how many women we've helped have their first at orgasm at this point, but we help them with that. And that's always really exciting. Unfortunately for me, sometimes I feel like we help them too quickly, like, like in five days <laughs> or a week. <laughs> and it's, it's like, like oh, orgasm, don't need your service anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and then I guess some of the cases that are a little more serious that, are touching are women that have experienced assault or trauma in their past, like years ago, and just are trying to struggle, enjoy sex again. And seeing those journeys are really great. Do you offer any services to help asexual people? We have not had any asexual clients. I'm sure that Stella or Gwen or some of our coaches could tackle that issue, but I just haven't seen it yet on the platform. But we are open and inclusive to all identities. You know what? I would actually suggest that if you get to a point where you are making some sort of platform like you were suggesting, putting something out there for asexuals to let them know that there's a service specifically for them might bring them in. If you build it, Mm. they will come. Uh, If it were me, if I were asexual, I don't think that I would go out there looking for something that didn't have my name or my my identity attached to it. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. Just like LGBT inclusivity products. Yeah. Yep. Yay. I really enjoyed learning about Juicebox, learning about your background and your connection to University of Tennessee, because I had no idea, you know, before we connected, I was like, oh, my God. So thank you. And thank you for making the world a better place. You know, it's it's people like you and your coaches. And, you know, all of us do our little parts to make up for that huge lack of comprehensive sex ed and all the, the shit we've been through in our younger years to make healthier adults that will hopefully then you know, produce healthy children and we'll have a better world. Wow. I just and got really warm and I know, fuzzy. Right? And you know, and actually that? thank you. And since we're going for an Oscar speech here, <laughs> thank you university <laughs> of Tennessee for giving you a platform that your voice can actually be utilized on. You, U of T has been just amazing with bringing se- all sorts of sex educators out there and exposing the students to uh, maybe exposing isn't the best word when we're talking about sex education. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. you get what I'm saying. Thank um, you, you, thank you, UT, for bringing the sex educators. Yeah, story. not to not to speak over you, but I really don't like UT. They've been very oh, frustrating. No. It's Seat that has done the great work, and they've they've dealt with a lot of shit from the university. You are absolutely correct, and I, I uh, yeah. apologize. And like, it is Seat that has done all the work because they're the ones who did the work. It was not the the university itself. Because you're right, the university has been antagonistic towards them. So fuck you, UT, and Seat, you're awesome. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much. And then real quick, we're going to have in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com all the places where we can find out more about Juicebox, more about you, more about the um, coaches on your service. However, just really quickly, if you got a couple quick social media tidbits where people can go, where would that be? Yeah, you can follow us Juicebox app on Instagram. Our website is juiceboxit.com. And then if you go to the app store, just type in Juicebox one word and we'll pop right up. Awesome. 
Thank you so much, Brianna. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.